Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. my job.
Hello? Hello? Yes. Mm -hmm.
Yes.
<laughs> I made it. Mark, how's it going? It's going very well. Thank you for uh, having me on today. Uh, no worries. Uh, it's my pleasure. By the way, uh, the recording is on, but listen, we haven't started the official conversation, so uh, we can take it Good. easy for the first few minutes just to make sure that we're on the same page. How was your weekend? Oh. It's very, very nice. Very nice. Okay. Sounds good. Um, thank you for joining me. I mean, I, I wanted to, uh, I have, a, a, I would say, two to three questions just to make sure that we're, we're shooting from the same angle here. Um, I wanted to start with the topic of friendships because I think, um, you know, the, 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 the fact that, that or the, the complexity of the topic that now we're coming together as men to define masculinity and manhood and so on and so forth. It's such a heavy and multi-layered topic that I thought the, the, the intro of which can be friendships. I mean, um, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That makes good sense. And how's my audio sounding to you on your end? Uh, actually, really good. Oh, good. Okay, great. Then the system yeah, is no. pretty, pretty robust, I think. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, it's it's really good. Uh, this is um, this is a platform that my uh, my friend told me about. I did some testing before, and I think the quality is fair. Uh, to be honest, it's not as good as I want it to be. I'm still experimenting, and I've noticed yeah. that his quality is better. So I'm going to find out what he does. But I mean, I hit I, I need to hit the ground running. So I said, okay, let's let's just do it. Um, but is is my voice clear on your end as well? Yeah, yeah, very clear, very nice. It's okay. really not bad at all. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. So uh, I want to talk about uh, friendships. I wanted to ask you, <clears throat> uh, I mean, as part of the conversations, I'm going to bring up that you, you wrote a, a bunch of articles about that, specifically um, mm-hmm. the one about, uh, uh, you know, the emptiness of, of male friendships and, and uh, how we kill uh, boys' friendships. And as part of that conversation, I'm sure that the the, ma- the, the concept of the man box is going to come up. Do you yep. want me to explicitly ask you what that means from the get-go, or should it just organically unfold as part of the friendship conversation, and then we will demystify what the man box means? Right. It'll come in. Don't worry about it. It, it will definitely okay. enter. So I, I, my suggestion to you is if you start with friendship, and then you, um, I mean, that'll immediately take us into a conversation about the culture and what the culture okay. teaches boys and and some of the capacities it strips from them and and all of that sort of conversation. But my, my, my central thrust here is that men are isolated by all of these constructs and that we have, we have a choice to step away from that particular version of manhood and find a lot more connection in our lives. So it all circles back to friendship as being a central aspect of our health and well-being. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. So you know what? I'm not going to share the, the exact questions that I've written. Let the conversation unfold organically. But I have yeah. some sort of structure in case we need to we need to revert back to that. Um, in the end, I think there's. I mean, uh, the, the one key message that I want them to get out of this conversation, whoever is listening, um, mm-hmm. you know, women and specifically men, is is to start thinking critically about their male friendships. Are they circumstantial? Are they not? And you know, how can they sort of nurture healthy relationships with great, with, uh, great. Uh, with so that's really what what I wanted to do. And the last thing is, I would love if if uh, at some point um, we can talk about your story with George because that really resonated with me, and I think it's going to hit a, a, an emotional nerve with a lot of the people who, you know, are listening, whether it's one or or a thousand people. Yeah, well, I will do my best. Um, it's a story that uh, that was emotional that I was able to deliver to, to deliver in an emotional way because it was uh, because I was able to write it. And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of that language is very poetic and so on. But I will yes. give it my best shot. I'm assuming you have the ability okay. to edit this uh, interview yeah. when it's all done. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll give it our best shot. If it doesn't resonate, okay. you can always take it out. Fantastic. We're on the same page. And, and remind me how to pronounce your name. Safe. Safe. Just S-A-F-E. Yes. It, just, Got okay. It. Thank you, Safe. I, I appreciate uh, that. I am nor- I am not name adept. I was calling I was calling Bill Brad and all kinds of stuff the other night at a dinner party and it just got, it got to the point where we were all just laughing about it because it was so bad. <laughs> no, no, you got it right. You got it right. All right, all right. Awesome. Okay, so we can we can start. Let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Um, hi everyone, my name is uh, Safe Malam and welcome to the 21st Century Man podcast. Um, I started this podcast with really the intent of of sharing men's stories and, and conversations between men that redefined the social script of uh, manhood and masculinity for our times. 
Um, I think nowadays men are facing questions that perhaps in the past we've been neglected to answer, and, and they are foundational questions. I mean, you know, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be masculine? And where do these definitions come from? Are they uh, self-proclaimed or uh, uh, are they prescriptive? And as part of the research, um, I uncovered a lot of great content, and, and one of the great authors and, and, and speakers that I uncovered is joining me today. I'm really excited uh, for that. Uh, his name is Mark Green. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me today. My pleasure. Um, so Mark is, this is the official bio of Mark, um, but I, I think just conversing with him, it's, it's a lot more personable, uh, but I'll do my best. Uh, so Mark Green is a senior editor for the Green for the Good Men Project, and he's the author of Remaking Manhood, which is a collection of 10 years of writing on fatherhood and masculinity. His articles on culture and masculinity have received over 250,000 shares on social media and in excess of 10 million page views. Mark has written and spoken on manhood for the New York Times, the BBC, Slate, Salon, uh, Yes Magazine, the Good Men Project, and more. Uh, his newest book, the, Relation, the, the Relational Book for Parenting, is co-authored with Dr. Saliha Baba. And for more information about Mark and Saliha's work, go to thinkplaypartners.com. And so, uh, Mark, did, did they do it justice? That's a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> it, is. it is. Um, but listen, this is the thing. I didn't tell you this before. My favorite color is green. So the fact that your last name is green, I, I can't possibly think. But this is a this is a good omen. And as yeah, I mentioned in, in on on Twitter, I mean, I, I do a lot of research, but I don't know if this is a, a Google algorithm or it just naturally and organically happens. But I always find that your content and your articles are the ones that really resonate the most with me. So thank you for for joining me. Um, I thought that we can really talk today about the topic of friendships. Um, and, and specifically male friendships. I mean, the, the, the definition of manhood nowadays is such a complex conversation, but to have that conversation, we need a community, and for that, we need friendships among men. So I thought, let's, let's start there. Um, you write a great articles about that, two specifically really resonated with me about uh, why do male friendships nowadays feel empty, and uh, how do we nurture or not nurture the, the, conversa- uh, the, the friendships between boys as you raise them. Um, and so my, my first question is actually, before we start, what draws you to all this work? I mean, where does this passion that you have come from to this work? Mm, that's a good question. I, I first began writing about manhood as a byproduct of, of the birth of my own son. And I think that, um, I think that my experience of, of growing up in American culture and growing up within the culture of manhood here uh, was somewhat invisible to me. Uh, I didn't really understand why things were done the way they were. And I also struggled with my inability to do it right. And, Mm. but the, but the overall narrative of what was expected of me and what manhood was defined as was invisible. It's the air we breathe. It's the water we swim in. And only after the birth of my son did I begin to, to sort of want to write or explore or ask questions about first, you know, the fatherhood space, what it means to be an engaged father to be. In my case, I, I've always been a freelancer, so I was at home with my son and, and involved yeah. in his life uh, daily. I, 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 I could be called a stay-at-home dad. And certainly after, after my divorce from his birth mother, uh, I had him, you know, sometimes five days a week, taking him to school every morning, doing all the things that are traditionally gendered as women's work. And mm-hmm. once you enter a space like that and begin caring for your child and doing that kind of daily support for them, uh, it really causes you to understand how far outside the the sort of script you get just by being a caretaker, just by being an engaged father, just by being seen to do things which are typically gendered as female. So that started me thinking. And I went from fatherhood to manhood over a period of a few years of writing. Cool. And from manhood to to, to man and male friendships. Um, Yeah. uh, I want to ask you, actually, this is something that I'm genuinely curious about. You know, how do we seek male friendships nowadays? 
I mean, I, I, myself, and I've heard this once before, and the fact that actually another guy explicitly said it really resonated with me. And he said, you know, I actually find myself myself at points where I, I'm looking for more guy friends in my life. Mm-hmm. And so h- how do we nowadays, as men, how do we seek friendships? What's the, 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 the cultural norm in terms of what uh, male friendships mean to us and how we seek them? Well, I can tell you that, um, you know, you and and many other men are not alone in this sense that we would like to have more male friendships. And I think, you know, one of the central challenges here is that the absence of those friendships is not accidental. It is not a, a byproduct of being too busy or having kids or being in college or studying too much or having moved a few times. It's not incidental to the events of our lives. It is how our culture is designed. Our culture is designed to eliminate close, affectionate friendships between young boys starting as early as age four. And there's lots of research about this. Judy Chu wrote a book Mm -hmm. called When Boys Boys Become Boys, and she was embedded in a preschool class for two years watching boys and girls interact And eventually, you know, they came to trust her and they had conversations with her. And and what she talks about in her book is the process by which young boys begin to hide away their emotional acuity, their capacity for emotional connection. And they begin to take on this sort of cultural stereotype of of disinterest or disassociation or being emotionally uh, disconnected. And they're taught to perform that as being the way to stay included in the, in the boys' groups. So we're talking about generational pressure to pretend mm-hmm. we don't need connection. And it starts very early. And so it, it starts very early, and you said we are taught to behave that way. Why are we taught to behave that way? Why are we you know, taught to behave that? So even pretend that we don't want friendships, and we can't even do that ourselves. <laughs> Lord, I wish I knew. I wish I could understand better because it is a it has a catastrophic impact uh, on us culturally, socially, personally. It, we're talking about silos of isolation where where boys. Uh, Niobe Way wrote a book called uh, Deep Secrets, and she did interviews with adolescent boys over a period of, of decades and across all social and cultural strata, and. Um, What she discovered is that boys in early adolescence declare affection for each other like it's a harlequin romance. They use the word love freely. I love my best friend. And the other thing they say over and over again is without my best friend, I would go crazy. And then three, four years later, the same boys interviewed say, oh, yeah, my, my best friend you know, Mike, he still lives around the corner, but I don't see him that much anymore. And, mm-hmm. and another boy in the book describes the processes as if that friendship is on a cross fade. It's just fading out. And when, mm-hmm. and when she did a little bit more digging over time, what she discovered is that boys are being conditioned and trained to define themselves not in terms of who they are authentically or who they are uh, in terms of what they aspire to or want, they're trained into defining themselves as what they are not. And they are taught to not look like they're little boys, girls, mm-hmm. or, or gay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. These, these boys that are talking later on in adolescence, if they say something nice about their best friend, they say, oh, no homo, you know, I'm, I'm not gay. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and additionally, these boys are then taught uh, listen, you know, this, if you need male friendships too much, there's something a little wrong with you. And additionally, if you express you need friendships, it means you're a failure, right? Like it, we, we're, we've yeah. all got friends. We're all cool. We all talk about sports. We all go to the bar. We all, you know, whatever. <laughs> these, are, these are performances of manhood that are very narrow, and they are not individually authentic. They do not, people don't want to hear about what you're feeling, what you're yeah. challenged by what you want, what connection you're seeking in the world. These things are all, have all been gendered as feminine. And, and in these preschool environments, Judy Chu is watching boys be taught that these things are feminine and that the feminine mm-hmm. is less. It is weak. Mm-hmm. It is not male. Now, it's a, it's a misgendering 
of a whole set of capacities, empathy, connection, collaboration, communication across difference, all of these capacities that when men incorporate these things into themselves, they become stronger because they're able to form the kind of community that, give, that supports us during times of economic challenges or, or a divorce or any of the major crises that are going to hit us sooner or later. But instead, mm-hmm. we raise our sons to be disconnected, to do everything alone. It's a, it's a culture of independence, bootstrap, yeah. did it myself. Anything I do in community with others, I didn't really achieve, right? Yes. So I, I love unhealthy independence. Yeah, oh God. And all these, you know, the AARP did a study in 2010, and what they said was that, um, sorry, my dog wants to be in the conversation. Um, <laughs> no worries. What they did, what they found in 2010 was that one in three Americans aged 45 and older is chronically lonely. And that means they don't have a single person in their life to have a conversation about the things that matter. And, and I would suggest to you that this culture of isolation impacts men and the women who love them. So everybody's getting siloed into isolation, but that's 42 million people. And every one of those people is at a much higher risk for, uh, for negative health impacts. They have a much higher yes. likelihood of heart disease, of diabetes, of obesity, of neurodegenerative diseases, of Alzheimer's, and cancer. Cancer metastasizes faster in people who are lonely. So we are living in a culture which is obsessed with the individual and is systematically stripping our sons and daughters of the relational capacities that would normally develop in the trial yes. and error process of growing up. Yes, and I think so, the, the, the key word here is normally develop. Yeah. yeah why, are we, why are we lonely? We're lonely because we have been shamed and bullied inside this sort of man box construct of male, uh, of male culture to, um, to isolate ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, Mark, I mean, it's, it's, if we are to connect the dots here, and, and you gotta, you got you got to help me out. So what you're saying is uh, boys, when they're born and, and they grow up, they have the natural tendency to be vulnerable uh, with themselves, with those around them, including fellow boys and peers. Um, yeah. And as part of that, they, de- they develop genuine connections. Uh, as a result of which, as you said, they even use the words, you know, I love my best friend. So mm-hmm. that's their natural tendency. Um, then they're being faced by the, the, the conventional uh, definition of what being man, male, and masculine is, which, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and all of that involves in terms of uh, being stoic, independent, emotionally unavailable or disconnected, mm-hmm. uh, and, and not really need, even uh, admitting to oneself, let alone others, that, you know, you, you, you need help or you, you want to rely on other people. So you're right. hit by that um at some point, you start defining by yourself, not necessarily by, by who you are and what you are, as you said, um, and your authentic self, but by what you're not. And right, and, think, and those what you are not categories are intentionally, intentionally um, defame or lower the value of what is, what is being described as feminine, but in the process, we get contempt for women right. trained into us, and... And I know that's sometimes hard for men to hear. I don't have contempt for women. But if you think about it for a second, if you're afraid to show your emotions, you're afraid because you're afraid someone's going to call you a sissy or a girl or a wimp. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you have to understand what I mean when I say contempt for women. We have contempt yes. for being seen as being soft or vulnerable or able to connect. The sad part yes. is, is it would be, it, it's the equivalent of, a, of superpowers, of connection, of the ability to partner with people <laughs> and create and do and make and be and live fully rich lives, right? There, there's, a study, there's a study out of Europe that says that men who are married uh, have no better outcomes in terms of heart disease than men who are living alone. But men mm-hmm. who are married and have a robust circle of friendships have mm-hmm. a much better outcome in terms of heart disease. So human connection is directly related to physical health. There, is, there's it, there, yeah. there's, there are reams of studies that show this to be the case. And now Britain just recently got a minister for loneliness because they're literally saying social isolation is killing us. And not only that, it yeah. makes us crazy and reactive and, and uh, you get all the explosive 
uh, anger-driven politics and the binaries that eat up the internet, that's all about not connecting. It's all about an inability to see other people's points of view or collaborate or connect across difference. Correct. And so what I'm hearing is that, I mean, at the heart of what is hindering men having genuine male friendships is the definition of what being a man and masculine is. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, the man box. So, so what is the man box? Well, the man box is a, um, is a term that is used to describe not traditional masculinity, which we've talked a little bit here, but the enforcement mm-hmm. of it as the only appropriate way forward for men. And gotcha. I want to be very clear. Some men don't express emotionally. It's natural to them. That's okay. They may speak in quieter ways. They may not express that stuff. The problem is everyone is expected to perform manhood in that way. And, mm-hmm. and the end result is that you have this narrow definition. So, and the man box is not, when I say enforced, I mean people get the shit beat out of them. I mean violence up to and equaling murder to enforce these rules. And if you're a gay man, uh, if you're a trans person, if you're a, a nerd, or if, you're, uh, if you can't control your emotional expression, yeah. it's everything from bullying in the schools and uh, microaggressions through to, to violence, open violence. Yeah. And this yeah. is all done to enforce this pecking order of manhood where you never actually finish. You never get to yeah. succeed in the man box. You're always right. being asked to prove your manhood over and over and over again. And one of the mm. primary, simplest, easiest ways to prove your manhood is to victimize somebody who's not doing it as well. So yeah. we have a culture of bullying that comes out of this patriarchal, vertical structure pecking order, and it's killing mm-hmm. us. And isn't it because really, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a vulnerable experience to actually take the time and try to define for yourself what being a man is. I mean, it's such an uncomfortable notion that it's just easier to pick on people. At the, at the yeah. bottom line, that, that is what it is. Yeah, well, you know, we're all, we all, I, I, haven't, I haven't met a man yet who doesn't say, I, I, a lot of guys declare online, oh man, no, being a man's great. I don't know what you're talking about. But anybody I have mm-hmm. a personal conversation with, sooner or later admits, well, yeah, I kind of got, I kind of got messed with a lot, you know, and that's our Mm. narrative that messing with people and getting messed with is, is, is the human condition, right? Boys will be boys. That's the way it is. And, and, you know, and this is why, this is why the expression of bullying and putting down women and putting down others and and, you know, bleeds so easily into, into putting down people of other r- racial backgrounds or other cultures because attacking other people is approved of. That's, that's an exceptional expression of manhood and will get you, will, will reduce your anxiety, will make you feel like you belong more, will make you feel more connected. Good job, Harry. Way to tell that so-and-so what, you know. I mean, and, mm. and this is the challenge with, with the, this sort of vertical pecking order structure is that we get, we're constantly being fed anxiety. Hey, I don't think you're doing it quite right. Hey, I don't think you're quite there. You know, hey man, you better do something to sort of prove. And of course, the way we do that is we cut down the guy next to us. We make fun of what someone's wearing uh, all the way, all the way down the, down this ugly path to dragging somebody out behind a dumpster and beating the crap out of them. Mm-hmm. This is manhood. And, and it's an mm-hmm. isolating experience for all of us. Yes. And, and you mentioned in one of the articles, you say, Men move in circles of competence. This competency component is central to how men are ranked in the institutions they rely on for social connections. In mm-hmm. sports that work and in every garage and backyard barbecue in the country, we approach each other not just in terms of common interests, but in terms of our competency in those areas. Knowing how uh, determines status, and men are highly focused on status in the larger pecking order of traditional manhood. So uh, it's it's interesting because I. Um, the other day I was talking to a colleague um, and uh, she's married to, to, to a man and, and uh, you know, this is a colleague at work. So within the context of the conversation, he, he runs his own company. Mm-hmm. Um, and later on, I actually thought about, uh, you know, wondering what that relationship would be like between them in the absence of that man being able to run 
company. I, 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 you know, what I mean is, I wondered the authenticity of that relationship. Is it based on what the man has to offer, or who the man is as a person? And and you write about that beautifully in the article about really wanting to see seek friendships based on who you are and not based on competency. And so, right. well, we, it's, this uh, is mm. this this is the central distinction between roles and relationships, right? In American culture, we're trained to define ourselves by our role, not what we do to connect in relationship with others. So, so much of our conversations day to day start with, well, what do you do for a living? And, you know, yeah. people want to get that label for you so they can they can begin talking about what is common within that space. Oh, you're a dad. I'm a dad, too. I do this. I do that. You do this. You do that. But the more. uh the more intimate conversations about who we are and, and what we want to become in the world aren't part of a role conversation. You have to move over to this relational space, right, where we're relating our own personal narratives, our own personal stories. And, and, and the problem with the man box also is that the man box requires not only that we hide our emotional expression, except possibly for anger, but it also requires that we project this competency you were just talking about in that quote, right? Yeah. So yeah. When, when, you, when we talk about um, working on cars, we don't talk about working on cars. We talk about how we do it well. This is all mm. about projecting competency, which is fine in and of itself in a conversation about cars. But if that bleeds over into how we talk about ourselves, oh, I only talk about mm-hmm. myself competent and secure and confident. If that's the only narrative that, that I'm allowed to do because any other narrative gets me shamed or made fun of, then I don't yes. ever get to explore the parts that I'm struggling with. And this is the thing. Men are struggling in isolation. They're struggling mm-hmm. in ways that they cannot process. They cannot rely on others for support. They cannot do the work they need to do to grow. And ultimately, that can lead to alcoholism, uh, divorce, violence, all uh-huh. kinds of stuff that we're seeing yeah. plenty of. Okay, and so it, it, it's funny. I actually had a, a, a number of of, uh, of epiphanies actually just talking to you now because I, I, you know, despite all this research that I'm doing, I remember last month being at a party and I'm, I'm meeting these new guys, and I, the, the question that I led with was, "So what do you do?" and uh, and one of the guys said, "Like, you know," he said, "Why do we even have to talk about that?" He was like, "Say if you can do better, you can ask me a different question." And the, the reason why I just had a moment right now because um, later on in this con- you know in the conversation, jokingly someone said toxic masculinity, and I brought that up saying, "Hang on, wh- since when did toxic masculinity become a term?" Because I, I, I recently learned about it, um, and so we ended up talking about masculinity and so on and so forth. But just now I'm realizing that that person was really ahead of the curve in terms of the conversation than me uh-huh. because uh-huh. he even sort of he he deflected the question. What do you do? I mean, he was so advanced in um, in understanding yeah. the situation that he even blocked it right away. So, I mean, which leads me to this question: So, what do I ask people? Yeah. <laughs> and just, and just, and just by me, myself. Let mm, me just let me let me reiterate something that I think is crucial here. Please. Everything that I'm talking about in terms of manhood, traditional masculinity, you know, the the John Wayne world, is a good fit for some percentage of the population. The problem is that's the only version of manhood we're allowed to do. So if you expand manhood out, increase the possibilities as wide ranging as possible. I I can no more say, Hey, you know, don't do, don't do manhood by hiding your emotional expression. That, that would make me a hypocrite, right? Uh, A manhood needs to be a wider ranging expression, including that we're not condemning traditional manhood, nor are we condemning conversations where people begin by saying, what do you do? But if that's the only thing you talk about, again, it's narrowing down what we feel comfortable talking about. Oh, how about those Yankees? You know, what do you do for a living? You got a wife? Women. What are you going to do with women? Ah, what a mess. You know. That, that sort of narrowing down of the conversation is what we're calling out here. We're not calling out what you can't do. We're saying, can we please do a lot more stuff? Because yeah, a lot more. Men, will, men will gravitate to the, to the performance of masculinity that's a fit for them. 
And when you, yeah. when you imagine a narrow V and all the rules of masculinity, the allowable versions are inside that V and outside of it is this huge space where all of us have something that's out there. Like, oh, I mean, you know, I'm a little, um, I'm a little prone to being emotional. So that's outside the V and I'm a little, uh, me, I'm a little gender bendy and me, I'm, I'm a little this, I'm, I'm a little too uh, emotional. I'm a little too expressive, whatever those things are, put a little dot out there outside that V. The mm. distance from that dot to the interior of that V is anxiety forming. It creates anxiety because you're aware of that part of yourself. You're concerned it's going to be displayed in the wrong way. You feel yeah. like it's not right. And this is a disconnect between who we authentically are and who we're told mm-hmm. to perform. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, because you think so, something's wrong with you. Well, right. And so this anxiety, if you're only allowed to express it as anger or policing other men, boys and men, you can see how the machine is pretty toxic, you yeah. know? And, and I want to be clear, men are not toxic. Culture is toxic, and we can change culture when we're ready. Any day we're ready. All yeah. you have to do is say, you know what? That performance of manhood fits for Joe down the street here, but it does not fit for me. And I, I refuse to be shamed or abused into, mo- into having that distance between what I perform and who I actually am. And that's what gives us joy in life and connection. And I think it's changing for younger men so fast. That guy in the party, that's younger mm-hmm. men right there. Older Absolutely. men are still yeah. trapped. They're yeah. still trapped in that in, because they, they're having trouble finding enough men to reach critical mass and have that conversation in a different way. Yes, because it's so funny, Mark. It was myself, him, uh, a friend who was a girl, and another friend who was a guy. And it's it's so quick how we, we came to the same accord along the lines of what you're saying. It was mm-hmm. so quick. And even um, the, the, this was a trip in Toronto, and, and you know, one of the guys uh, uh, who was attending said that he's, you know, uh, um, going to, uh, to workshops or, or, or group meetings for the Good Men Project. So it's, it's, I think I am just learning how prevalent those, conversa- those conversations are. It's just that I haven't tapped into them, to be honest. I think, and if I were to ping those conversations, I think I would have a lot more of them with, uh, with men in general, but specifically ones of, of a younger uh-huh. demographic. Yeah, yeah. And you know what's interesting is that you're, you are intent upon understanding the way that your life is constructed. You are intent upon understanding your performance of what the culture is asking of us. And you're saying, mm, maybe we should change that, right? Yeah. And if, yeah. if, if 100 million young men say, we're done, we're going to make it much broader, not only so that I can find my spot, so that a guy who over there is doing it differently, I'm not going to shame him for that. I mean, we, we, we obviously need to stand up to abusive behavior. But difference, difference is beautiful, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. I got a friend who has a ranch out in Luling, Texas. And, you know, I'm sorry, I go there and shoot AR-15s. It's a beautiful place. We do this version of manhood that is not abusive to anyone. It is more traditional. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that aesthetic as much as I do trans men here on the street in, in, in Manhattan. And when we can fully say to ourselves, you know what, baby, it's all good. And we need to empower people to live full lives. Wow, that's gonna that's gonna break the 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 sort of generational of cycle of abuse that we're all that we're all watching play out. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, if if I am bringing myself to those conversations and to those friendships based uh-huh. on who I am, not necessarily what I can do or how I can form who I am. Does, does, I mean, what, what I personally get from that is that, you know, at the core of uh, my male friendships is, A, me being myself, you know, with mm-hmm. my real interests, and that the, the social currency of that friendship is, uh, you know, what I bring to the relationship in terms of support, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of connection, in terms of a, a genuine care for my friend, being mm-hmm. there for them, sharing good times. That, that is the social currency. It's not what I can do from a competency uh, a slash conforming standpoint. That's what I'm getting right. from this conversation. Right. And it's about both, right? We it's are, both. we should be proud of what we're capable of, but we should also be proud of who we are. 
there's a couple of organizations I want to mention to you and to your listeners. One, a a guy got in touch with me a while back, and he's got an organization called wearebrothers.org, right? Mm -hmm. And he's Mm -hmm. just messaging that male friendships are awesome and we should have them. And it's crazy, Mm -hmm. but what he does beautiful work, the, the... the visuals are great. He's, you know, he's, he's on all these social media platforms and they're driving this message and they're getting support from some major grant writers because people understand that when you give men permission, when, you know, it doesn't take, but a couple of guys in a circle to change the conversation. Right. And when you Mm -hmm. give men permission to say, brother, I love you. And I, I want to be, I want you in my life. I want to be, (laughs) I want us to do this process of knowing each other and connecting. Um, I just flinched. Yeah, yeah, I just, I just flinched. Well, when you said, you know, brother, I love you, I was like, I don't, I don't think I could say that to someone. But yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, no, you I'll, got, I'll, you, I'll you get got, there eventually. Like a, bat, like a bat was being swung at your head with nails all over. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. I'm like, that's too much. But I have to tell you, I um, another organization I want to mention to you, and it's funny, you said a guy was going to some workshops for the Good Good Men Project. I'm wondering if yeah. he was going to projects for the Mankind Project. Uh, going to workshops, the Mankind Project. Thank you, just for, Mankind. Just, yeah, just for the guys who are listening out there, the Mankind Project is has a thing called the Warrior Weekend, and you know, I'm I'm very much a Groucho Marx thinker. Like, I wouldn't want to be the member of any organization that would have me as a member and all that stuff. But I eventually <laughs> yeah. decided to take myself and go to one of the weekends, and I I will tell you that it was challenging. And it really made me made me take a hard look at myself and it evolved who I am. The reason the Mankind Project matters is not because they have the only way to do it or the best way to do it. They have a way to go in and ask all these hard questions, not about what we want, but also what we've internalized, right? Because you know, one thing, if I may bring up the F word, I know it's not really appropriate yeah. to say no, this. I, I want people, you to, but, but I want to, but can we take just a pause and reconnect? Because I think the session yes. has timed out. So let, 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 let's oh, okay. reconnect. Okay. And I, I want you to, to actually restart the conversation um, from when we were talking about these two organizations. Can we do that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'll get right So on. let me, uh, okay. So let me, uh, uh, actually, give me two minutes. Let's uh, end this call. Give me two minutes. Let me start another session. All right. And text me. Text. All right. That's what we'll do. And and we'll end it with those two organizations and uh, uh, and just you know getting people to th- what what are the questions that they need to ask themselves about male friendships in the end. Okay. That's their message. Okay. All right. I'll text you with your you in a I'll couple of minutes. Sounds good. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.